This is the On Conflict Podcast, deep conversations that will transform your relationship with conflict. Season two, a focus on leadership. And now your hosts, Julia Menard and Gordon White. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm Julia Menard. And I'm Gordon. And this is the On Conflict Podcast. Riffcast. Where we speak about our conversation with the guest. And this our, time... Our guest was... Herb Simmons. Yes. And it was a great conversation. And you and I have got some ideas to share of our own, bouncing off our experience. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just say a couple of things about Herb. Okay. One of the things he did was work for 10 to t- or 20, I can't remember, anyway, a long time mm-hmm. with the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he was involved in planning the future land use yeah, and development yeah, of, the entire, of the entire state. Right? Of the entire state. Yeah, 8 right. million people, I think he said. Yeah, yeah, and got involved in negotiating agreements with hundreds of different stakeholders and interest groups mm-hmm. in order to bring that plan into action, right? Yes. Yeah, very interesting from a conflict point of view, that's for sure. Yeah, and one of the things I remember him saying mm. was that this is a trade-off between how much time you spend building the coalitions and agreements and then when you start implementing them, because mm-hmm. it takes a long time to build all those agreements, mm-hmm. and eventually there's diminishing returns because you start losing time in implementation. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the things you and I spoke about was um, maybe speaking to why did we want to have Herb on the show in the first place? Yeah. Okay. And we, I guess we each have our personal histories, which relate yeah. to this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So mine is that I grew up in the country in the summer on a lake. And I found in those experiences a very intimate and quasi mystical connection to the natural world, which has really informed my entire life. And what it's meant is as I watch the populations of various different animals, plants, insects, microbes, decreasing and changing and suffering from human expansion um it's very painful for me mm-hmm. yeah. and so mm-hmm. yeah so that's my fundamental connection to the natural world and that was long before there was any climate crisis mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and your natural connection to this topic i think yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you if for me i i can't say that i've had this no i didn't have a magical nature upbringing. I grew up in Montreal, pretty urban environment. (laughs) But somewhere along the way, I started to identify with the environment. And I have a newsletter. And for 17 years, every single month, I write an article about the environment. And it's even when I started writing the newsletter almost 20 years ago, the environment was so positioned in my mind. And not so much the way that you, you have this visceral, really a visceral relationship with nature. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more more of a community orientation, my care for people and the knowledge that we need to do things differently, whether it's thinking about how we consume, overconsume or overpopulation, though I know that that can be controversial. So there are all these different societal factors that have come together for me to have a great concern for, I have a great concern for our species. Mm. A sadness about our species and the impacts that we've been having and also a great concern. And so having Herb on our show was natural for me as well, mm. um, because he has been working 
diligently in the area of deep adaptation as well, which he speaks about on the show. So we don't need to go into that, but just to share, I think, I guess some of our thinking about why Mm -hmm. we wanted to share this wonderful man and his thinking with Mm -hmm. um, people who are listening. Yeah. I think another aspect to it uh, is another aspect is rather that he brought to light very well in his own speaking about it was, is that the climate crisis has created or exacerbated so many conflicts or cuts across so many different lines of human experience, whether we're looking at political, social, economic, religious. Mm-hmm. There's conflict in all those areas yes. in relationship to climate change. Yes, and will continue to intensify uh, in now. Mm-hmm. I was going to say in the future, but really now. Yeah. And that draws, I think, your and my attention as people who are very involved in conflict engagement and transformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So naturally, mm-hmm. we asked Herb, what kind of leadership mm-hmm. is required mm-hmm. to effectively respond to these conflicts? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. And this could be whether you are a third party, as we work sometimes, but also being in any particular group where you're having to work with those who have different views than you do mm-hmm. about the climate situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, or different ways of responding to it. Yeah. And one of the, um, one of the things that he spoke about that struck me was this quality of humility and open-mindedness at the same time. And I, and I thought Herb really displayed that. I mean, he was, he was uh, an, uh, an exemplification of humility and open-mindedness and he and the other quality he spoke about which is really paradoxical to be single-minded and determined mm-hmm. and really focused and committed to making change mm-hmm. yet at the same time remaining humble open-minded and flexible in a sense right mm-hmm. it reminds me of bernie Mayer, who's a writer in our field and uh, his most recent book is about conflict paradoxes and this would be like like one of bernie's paradoxes is it it isn't because his are different, but this idea of being open-minded and and humble in relation to those that see things differently, but at the same time maintaining single-minded focus and determination mm-hmm. because it's going to take that kind of one-pointedness to respond effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, so yeah. To clim- the climate crisis, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Well, and what was Bernie saying about um, this idea of paradoxes? How does that relate to this paradox you're noticing? Um, he's saying that the opposites are both required and they both have to be strong and that you can't separate them. They're intertwined together. So the classic one that he writes about at the beginning of the book is competition and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Right? We tend to think of those as being different choices, mm-hmm. right? We can mm-hmm. be competitive or being collaborative. But he, when he takes you through it and look at it in a bit differently, you start to see that, yeah, they're really quite intertwined. And, mm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So they go together. Yeah, they go together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in case um, our listener is not aware, but we did also interview Bernie, Bernie Mayer in season one. So That's right. you can find that uh, interview on our yeah. website. Yeah, it'll be around episode 14. I don't know the exact mm. number, but... Pretty good. I'm impressed. <laughs> All right. So that's one of the qualities that um, sparked some thinking for us when uh, Herb mentioned that. Yeah. Second thing he said when we talked about leadership was having, creating a vision for people 
Actually, no, you want to talk about relationship first, eh? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, yeah, he talked about the importance of relationship and the importance of informal relationship. Mm -hmm. One thing he told us about was going to meetings that would have a, you know, a formal quality to them and that they were planned and convened and their official representatives there. Mm -hmm. But after them, you know, going out and having a drink with maybe someone who was at the meeting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these kind of informal conversations that he would be invited into or would have opportunity to partake in and the importance of doing that. And we spoke about how this is based on an inherent belief in the value of connection, right? Yes. Connecting with people yes. and conversing with them yes. over important situations. I really want to highlight that because you brought that to the conversation with Herb and you're bringing it back right now into this conversation, but this inherent value around connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some of us are sort of inclined that way by personality and others are not. But mm -hmm. I think the suggestion is that if you're going to be doing that kind of work and you're not inclined that way by personality, then you have to kind of work on it. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. 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 Well, and this idea of the informal connection that to be committed to people enough such that you care enough to see how they are and care enough to go for a drink with them after, if mm -hmm. that's part of what the caring is. I think that's where you were making that connection that it isn't just perfunctory, but it actually comes from a place of wanting to connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being genuine about it, right? Yeah. Being yeah, he's, yeah. That's one of the things he said. If you're not genuine, then people see through it immediately. True, yeah. yeah. Well, and it reminded me of um, my ex, Brian Paisley, who was responsible for creating one of the biggest, if not the biggest theater phenomenon in North America, the Fringe Theater Festival. And I know in the beginning days, he used to speak about the festival being about theater, sunshine, and beer. Hmm. And he very <laughs> intentionally created beer tents. And these places that he wanted and spaces that he wanted people to congregate. And in particular, his vision was that it would give the opportunity for an artist to sit in the same space or the same venue as an audience member. And to be able to have those dialogues and spaces became one of the key things that created this explosion of theater that has you know, resulted in theater festivals across North America. So it really did come from that piece of informal connection. Hmm. <laughs> you want to mention tribal leadership? Or? The conversation reminded me of Dave Logan's work. And I think Dave's at one of those Southern California states, Southern, I know there's quite a few universities, but he's in one of those, uh, I think probably in the Los Angeles area. Um, he's got a book called Tribal Leadership mm -hmm. and he articulates some of, some of his philosophy around leadership in that book. And one aspect of it is that a lot of Influential leaders have connections with around 200 people and mm. they get to a stage in their careers where they're spending as much time and energy connecting uh, people that they know into small groups to mm. deal with specific tasks or problems mm -hmm. than they do actually working on things themselves, mm. whereas mm -hmm. they sort of turn into or evolve into f a facilitator or quasi facilitator. Of smaller networks. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, of managing their network in an mm -hmm. informal way, mm -hmm. which has mm -hmm. far reaching influences. Right. Well, and, it, you know, this might end up being one of the themes of this season. I don't know because it's a bit early in the season. But um, when you're saying that, it reminds me of community. Mm -hmm. Building connection between people and building communities in groups is one of the ways in which we are able to transform negative manifestations of conflict into constructive manifestations mm -hmm. of conflict, mm -hmm. right? 
so often connection of various different kinds is central to an effective remedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the multiplicity and complexity of those connections. So mm-hmm. not just coming in because two people might have a disconnect, mm. but that in fact, those two people's disconnect is connected to a disconnect in their larger communities, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it be with other colleagues or their supervisor, et cetera. So uh, the other piece that uh, struck Gordon and I that we wanted to play a little uh, play with a little bit is this idea of the importance of a leader being able to articulate a different vision for the future and not only articulate it, but be able to in some way make it as real as possible, whether it's through pictures or video or some physical representation so that people really get a sense of what it is that's being talked about. Mm -hmm. So you talked about building models, like Mm -hmm. like building 3D models, Mm -hmm. creating videos, Mm -hmm. creating, I guess I might describe it as sensory using the senses yeah, sensory experience mm-hmm. rather than just mental concepts and mm-hmm. mental ideas, yeah. right? And actually, you know that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Are you going to say more? Mm-mm. No? Yeah. I Just to build on that, it reminds me of another book called mm-hmm. It Starts With One, mm-hmm. and it's a change management book. And in that book, these two academics talk about the first key in making change at any level is the ability to see. And what they say is that change gets stopped at any one of these three big change markers. The first one being the failure to see. Mm. See a possibility. You mean. The failure to see a possibility. Yeah. And then there's the failure to move and the failure to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one, Herb was articulating so well, not just in um, what he said, but in what he retold to us in terms of his experiences as an urban planner and the wonderful document that we'll be sharing on our website um, Mm. in terms of the vision that he set forward for a different kind of world. For those of you who might not have heard the interview with him, um, he created a around 30-page document which takes the reader 20 or 30 years in the future and then looks back, you know, in an imaginary way, how his community created a carbon neutral society, mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And all the different changes that were required in order mm-hmm, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so wonderful that he can create a document like that actually based on a practical, you know, on his practical work experiences mm-hmm. as an urban planner and, mm-hmm. and helping all these um, different stakeholders come to a new reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very affirming. So I think that's our tour through some of the things that struck us in the conversation with Herb. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Gord? No. All right. So thank you for listening. I hope that something that we said has stimulated some more conversation for you. And if so, we love you to get over to either the website and leave a comment there, or we're also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Sometimes LinkedIn. Sometimes LinkedIn. Yeah. On Conflict Podcasts, season two. Thank you. Bye for now. If you love this episode of On Conflict, then help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And you can spread these big ideas too by sharing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you show up online. Want to know more about us? Check out our website, onconflictpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go make the world a better place.